Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. My talk uh, and the presentation that I'm giving now is covering uh, the Agriculture Catchments Programme's evaluation of the derogation to the Nitrates Directive in Ireland. And I'm going to give a little bit of a background on the derogation and the Nitrates Directive um, and the Agriculture Catchments Programme, which has been running for the last 12 years. And then I will go through some of our findings of water quality and the impact that the stocking rate has on that. So first of all, the Agriculture Catchments Programme I'd like to uh, give acknowledgement to the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. They have been funding us, as I've said, for the last 12 years. And we were initially set up um, to, uh, with a main focus of the evaluation of the measures implemented under what are called the Good Agricultural Practice Regulations, which is Ireland's um, statutory instrument that implements the Nitrates Directive. Um, we are a research program. We also have a very significant part of knowledge transfer. So there's a, there are advisors, technicians, technologists, and researchers working with us. And we work in six uh, specifically selected catchment areas, initially called mini catchments. They're not large. On average, it'd be around 1,000 hectares. Um, and in all, across the six catchments, there are 300 farmers. The catchment boundary follows the watershed. So they're like a saucer. Some, some of those 300 farmers would be completely within uh, that watershed catchment area. Some would be on the edge of it and would only have a part of the farm in it. Um, the research we carry out is into soil science, uh, hydrology, the weather. Um, we also look at the water quality naturally and in the ecology. So they're all the biophysical aspects. In addition to that, we have a very significant socioeconomic part of our research, uh, looking at um, the financial impact of the measures being implemented under the Nitrates Directive and the likelihood of people to implement them, what, what would influence them to change their mind and change their practice. And the six catchments, we, we do use them as uh, as a focus point for knowledge transfer. So we regularly have groups coming out to visit them to try and explain what we have found uh, influences water quality and how agriculture um, has an impact, be that good or bad. Okay. So these are our six catchments. Um, they weren't picked at random. They were picked to represent very different soil types and different farming systems. I'm going to start with Castle Dockwell in County Wexford. It's a free draining soil type and it's predominantly tillage. Uh, two thirds of that catchment is ploughed every year and um, at least half of the catchment is sown with spring barley, most of which goes for malting. Very close by, we have the Ballycanoe catchment and it's very contrasting in that it has a high clay content soil. When it rains there, the soil gets wet quite quickly and most of the water flows across the surface. It's predominantly a grassland catchment although there is about 20% in, in tillage. <clears throat> Moving up the coast of Dunleer in County Loud, that's a heavier soil type. That would be what I would call uh, winter wheat, potato type countryside. Um, being a heavier soil type, again, water flows across the surface. Uh, we consider it to be phosphorus risky. I'd say it's about one third tillage and two thirds grassland, and there has been an increase in dairying in that catchment. 
In County Monaghan, we have Srinity Carduff, and it's Drumlin picked to represent Drumlin soil types. Um, there are small lakes in that catchment and, and the drinking um, supply source coming from, from them. Um, <clears throat> again, it's very Drumlin soil, mixed, very mixed soil type, and you'd expect it to be phosphorus risky. In Mayo, we have a karst a catchment. It's unusual in that most of the water flowing in that catchment flows below ground. I describe it as being like the burn with uh, one or two foot of soil across the limestone pavement. And um, so it, it, again, all these catchments were picked in intensive agricultural areas. Um, so while we're in the karst area in, in Craig Duffin County Mayo, there still is a significant amount of uh, intensive agriculture taking place. It is good quality, highly productive grassland. Finally, um, our most intensive catchment is in Timaleague in County Cork. Um, it is predominantly dairying. There are one or two farms that, that are non-dairying in it. Um, typically, there's between 30 and 40 farms in each catchment. And Timaleague, most of the farms would be at a stocking rate in excess of the 170 kilogram of nitrogen stocking rate limit under the nitrates directive. Uh, these were chosen to represent different farming systems as I've gone through and the different soil types. Um, so initially our program um, was established to evaluate the nitrates directive which is a European environmental policy um, and it is written into the nitrates directive that each member state or each country is required to assess the action program being implemented for that directive. Um, it's not the only environmental policy, but it is focused purely on agriculture, the nitrous directive. Other environmental directives of concern and that are um, <clears throat> having a, a, um, <clears throat> an impact on farming would include the water framework directive. It's kind of all encompassing. It includes drinking water, coastal water, wastewater treatment, and it includes the nitrates directive for agriculture. And we had, there is an objective under the Water Framework Directive that all our water bodies must reach a certain status that's been either good or excellent. That was initially by 2015. We didn't reach that. It runs on a six-year cycle, and the next stage is 2021. Not that far away. Um, coming down the tracks also, recently we have the Farm to Fork strategy, which sets out targets. This is in the part of the European Green Deal sets out targets for a 50% reduction in nutrient loss um, in, from agriculture and a 20% reduction in fertilizer use. These are not um, easy aspirations. They're not written into law yet, but they are written into the farm to fork strategy and, and they give an idea of where European policy will be coming or where it will be going in the future. Okay, so coming back to the nitrates directive specifically, um, it was initially drawn up in 1991 um, and it took us until 1996 for it to be implemented. And as I've said already, it focuses purely on water pollution by nitrates from agriculture. Uh, and we have its, its objective is to reduce that and prevent any further such pollution. And when we say pollution, it's talking about a discharge of high nitrogen compounds into the aquatic environment that may cause a problem to human health. So there we would be talking about drinking water standards. 
a harm to aquatic ecosystems. So there we'll be talking about biodiversity and life living in our rivers, lakes, um, estuaries and in the sea, and the damage to amenities. An example there would be if we had an algae growth at the sea and people couldn't go swimming or in a lake, it was a high algae growth and people, people couldn't use it for, for recreational activities. Okay. Each member state had an option of applying the nitrates directive to their whole country. But um, I think that more commonly what has been chosen is to implement the directive in what is designated nitrate vulnerable zones. Um, in Ireland, we, we decided to go the whole country approach or the whole territory approach. So the rules of the nitrates directive are being applied across the whole country. Um, in other parts of Europe, specific nitrate vulnerable zones have stricter uh, regulations to deal with than parts of the country that are not designated as a nitrate vulnerable zone or NVZ. Um, when these nitrate vulnerable zones were being established and under the monitoring of the nitrates directive, the, the things that are looked at would be the drinking water standard, which is 50 milligrams of nitrate per liter, or if you're just measuring the nitrogen, it's a figure of 11.3. Those figures are, are the same thing. One is just measuring nitrogen, the other is measuring nitrate. We're also looking at the state of the ecology or eutrophic state. Um, are there algae blooms going in it? This has been measured under the Water Framework Directive. Um, and the measures that have been implemented to either maintain or achieve good standards are restriction to the application times for fertilizer, having necessary storage capacity, um, limits for your fertilizer application rate, and one of the few figures that is written into the directive from Europe is that the livestock manure application rate shall not exceed 170 kilograms of organic nitrogen per hectare. Currently, that is equivalent to two dairy cows on a hectare. So the nitrates directive states that we should not keep more than two cows per hectare. In Ireland, we can and we have always been able to keep closer to three cows per hectare. And that is because we have applied for a derogation to this 170 kilogram limit, and it has been uh, approved by the European Commission. And this has to be applied for every four years. And the approval and application, they, it has to be justified. So we have to give reasons for why we think we can exceed the two dairy cow stocking rate limit and still achieve the objectives of the nitrates directive. Very quickly, I just want to show you some documentation from Europe. This is the last decision, which was given on the 8th of February in 2018, and it granted Ireland's request for a derogation in the nitrates directive. In that document, it outlines the previous application. So the first one was in 2007, again in 2011 and 14 we applied for and received permission to implement the derogation. Okay. And the type of things that they looked for in that, we went in, in that application, um, we outlined that the water quality previously has been generally good, and the drinking water standards were, were good, um, and the number of livestock you know, over the previous years was, was outlined. 
and the growing season, etc. Things like that go towards backing up Ireland's application for a derogation. Um, and you can see there in point 12, the European Commission considers that the amount of manure proposed by Ireland corresponding to 250 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare will not prejudice the achievement of the objectives of the nitrates directive. So they granted uh, an extension of the decision that was previously given in December 2017. Um, and it will run until the end of December 2021. So next year, we have to go through the process of applying for a derogation again if we wish to continue. And we have to justify it. And the findings, what I'm going to go through now are the findings from the catchments program that will go towards that application. Um, I do believe it's getting more difficult each time we apply. Uh, one of the reasons is the water report coming from the EPA in recent years during the current uh, derogation approval has shown that the trend in river water quality is actually moving in the wrong direction. Um, so the, the objectives of the Water Framework Directive are getting are going the wrong way. Uh, <clears throat> agriculture is one of numerous sectors in the economy that, that uh, can influence this. Um, but unfortunately, the trend is going in the wrong direction. Um, <clears throat> we, the Water Framework Directive requires that all our water bodies are either high or good ecological status. And in the latest report, 53% reached this status, which was a decline. Um, more significantly, the excellent water bodies have constantly been fallen from uh, the original reporting period in 1987 to 1990, and they've fallen by close to 14% um, since that time. It is very significant to note that in freshwater bodies, be they rivers or lakes, phosphorus is the limiting nutrient. A very small amount of phosphorus in freshwater body can give rise to eutrophication, um, which will have an impact on the ecology. Sediment also will significantly impact on the ecology in freshwater bodies. Nitrogen is not the limiting nutrient, generally speaking, in freshwater bodies. Nitrogen is of concern when you get to the estuary and into the sea. The, these are the EPA's catchment uh, maps showing the ecological status, and they have them color-coded, um, bad being red, high water quality being blue, and sort of a blue, green, yellow, orange, red, progressively getting worse. And you can see there are parts of the country where the water quality is excellent, or by and large is quite good. For example, in Mayo, West Donegal, Kerry, and parts of Southwest Cork. Um, in the East Coast, um, you would see a greater proportion of yellow and orange water bodies. This is a similar uh, graph showing the percentage of the water bodies in each river catchment and um, that are in, in necessary categories. And we would like those pie charts to, under the Water Framework Directive, they should be either completely um, blue, well, preferably completely blue, but blue and green, and they should have no yellow, orange, or red included in them. Nitrate 
um, behaves very contrastingly to phosphate. And the nitrate concentration map in the water bodies in Ireland, you can see there's a very distinct uh, region in the country. If you go from Dundalk to Skibbereen in West Cork and look at all the water bodies on the east and south of, of that line, you'll see that's where nitrate is a problem. And in the west and northwest, um, nitrate is a less of a concern. So what I'm going to go through now is how does nitrate levels found in our water bodies relate to the stocking rate, soil type, how the weather impacts on it, and on the river and estuarine quality. So the EPA have been monitoring for a number of years and, and they produced an indicators report in 2018. And <clears throat> this map shows the trend in nitrate levels. And the green dots show a declining trend in nitrate. So in the period for 10 years running up to 2017, in the part of the country where nitrate levels are high, the good news was that the levels were moving in the right direction, nitrate levels were getting lower. Subsequent to that, a report came out in 2019, covering the period from 2013 to 2018, including 2018. And unfortunately, the trend in nitrate levels had gone in the other direction. There was an increasing trend. And I suppose this gives, gives a mixed message uh, how come in a period from 2007 to 17 the trend was going in the right direction and now suddenly it's going in the wrong direction, even though those periods do overlap. So to try and get a better understanding of what is going on with nitrate uh, and the impact of the derogation, we looked at our six catchments and we assessed them uh, and looked at the water quality based on and try to relate that to the number of farms that are in a derogation in those catchments. So you can see our Castle Docker catchment uh, is mostly green, so that it is largely a tillage catchment and the stocking rate is quite low in that catchment. It will be the lowest of our six catchments, lowest organic loading. Moving to Timber League, um, where most of the catchment is stocked at the stocking rate above 170. Does that mean that the nitrate levels will be higher in Temelik than in Castle Dockrell with the higher load? Well, just quickly going um, through the water quality in the six catchments. Um, at the, above each box there, we can see in the Temelik catchment, rainfall on average is just over 1100 millimeters. Um, the stocking rate, average stocking rate level is 168 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare on average across the catchment. Um, it's double what it is in most other catchments. In Ballinrobe in County Mayo, the stocking rate is 83 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare and the rainfall is just under a metre and a half. In the Drumlin catchment, we have a meter of rainfall, and again, the stocking rate is very similar at 86 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare. In the Dunlear catchment, which has more tillage, the organic loading is reducing to 65 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare, and lower rainfall back to 870 millimeters of rain. And uh, in the two Wexford catchments, the rain, average rainfall is just over a meter, 
and the stocking rate in Ballycanews, 83 kilograms of nitrogen, and in Castle Dockwell, predominantly tillage, it's under 40 kilograms of nitrogen. Um, the water quality in uh, the Timberlee catchment, the phosphorus level is above the 0 0.035 limit and the nitrate level is high. We initially wouldn't have expected the phosphate level to be high, but the nitrate level, 0.65 in, in Mayo, the both nitrate and phosphate levels are low, as is the case in Shrinti Cordov. In Dunlear, even though the, the uh, stocking rate is significantly lower, we still have a very high phosphorus um, reading coming out of that catchment, and the nitrate level is also uh, fairly high at 5.34. The estuarine standard, standard for nitrate would be 2.6. In Ballycanew, um, um, in, con in, in contrast, the nitrate level is very low at 2. Is, is quite low at 2.6, uh, but the phosphate is a problem there, and we would have expected that because it is a poorly drained uh, surface-fed water body. In Castle Dockrell, the catchment with the lowest organic loading has the highest nitrate level at 7.06. Being a free draining catchment, groundwater fed, the phosphate level is quite low in the water. So why are these differences coming? Um, and we would attain is the soil and drainage and soil type um, have a very significant impact on what type of water quality we get. So looking at the whole catchments again and looking at the nitrate, this is the nitrate levels going back to the start of our program across the six catchments. Um, <clears throat> and on the graph, they're, they're color coded for, for each catchment. And the red line is the Timaleague line with 60% of the land in derogation. Um, the black line is uh, the Dunlear catchment. Sorry, I beg, your, I beg your pardon. The black line is Castle Doppler catchment with 5% of the, of the land over 170. Um, and it has, it has our highest level. So you can see there, there is a very significant difference in the nitrate levels being found as a result of the different physical setting, basically as a result of the different soil types. Um, also, we can see that there was a distinct jump in nitrate levels as a result of the dry summer in 2018. So there was a strong weather signal giving at that time. Following from the dry summer um, and the drought that we had, the nitrate levels in all six catchments jumped and jumped to levels that we had never seen before. So to try and get a better understanding of that, I'm going to compare two catchments. The, the, the low organic load free draining catchment in Castle Dockwell, which is a slate type bedrock, and the sandstone catchment in Timaleague in West Cork. Both of them are free draining catchments. <clears throat> One predominantly arable and the other predominantly grassland. And you can see in each catchment, the, the dots, the red and the blue dots that are shown there signify where we have um, boreholes drilled for groundwater sampling. 
And in each of those dots, we have three different levels of groundwater sampling taking place. So for, for, for each set of three dots, we have nine different sampling points. And this is just a, a, a diagram showing one of those boreholes so that we have multi-level monitoring wells where we can take a sample um, close to the surface, just below the topsoil, one in the fractured bedrock and one much down deeper in the bedrock with the different groundwater pathways. So we're also taking samples from the river um, close to where these uh, groundwater sample points are taken. So on this, on this uh, slide, you can see at the very top, we can see the fertilizer nitrogen being applied to the two catchments. So the nitrogen being applied to the sandstone um, in terms of kilograms per hectare is significantly more, three times more than what has been applied in the tillage catchment. Okay, so there's substantially greater nitrogen applications taking place in Timaleeg than in Castle Dockwell. Now, initially, if we look at the shallow groundwater well, so, so just below the topsoil, um, in both catchments, the nitrate levels are high. That line on the right-hand side shows the drinking water, um, the threshold, um, and the standard of water sometimes is going above that threshold. Um, but it is comparable in both catchments. However, if we go into the deeper, weathered bedrock, there is a contrast in the nitrate level uh, from when we go a little bit deeper, below 10 meters below ground level. The nitrate level has dropped significantly in the sandstone catchment, while it hasn't changed hugely in the tillage catchment in Castle Docker. Um, the water level in the stream um, is also significantly lower in the sandstone catchment. So the question really is, why does the slope and when we're sampling where we have almost th three times the amount of nitrogen being applied have half the nitrate level in the stream? It does raise questions and you would think it doesn't make sense. And the reason is <clears throat> there are a lot of factors that influence the amount of nitrate that end up in the stream um, that impact on it from the time it is released or applied to the soil to when it actually ends up in the stream. Nitrate can be applied either out of the back end of the animal, it can come from fertilizer that's been spread or can be released from organic matter in the field itself. In any event, nitrate is released, it could be fixed by clover, it could be natural deposition, and it falls in the soil. If you have a free draining soil type, um, you have plenty of air there, but at certain times of the year, the soil can become waterlogged and there could be heavier soil types that the water flows through before it gets to the stream. And if you get into anaerobic conditions, there are bacteria that will remove uh, nitrogen gas out of the nitrate and release it into the atmosphere and also a small portion of nitrous oxide. So if you have these anaerobic conditions or conditions with no air, there you will have denitrifying taking place and it'll lower the amount of nitrate that ends up in the water. As I mentioned, we have a variety of soil types 
everyone knows within a farm, even within a field, you can have a variety of soil types. And the Timalee catchment, there is a greater capacity to remove nitrogen uh, than there is in the cattle docker catchment. There is a greater proportion of heavier soils that the water flows through before it ends up in the stream. And this um, encourages a process which will take the nitrate out of the groundwater along the pathway below the rooting zone before it reaches the stream. And as a result, there are cases, not everywhere, but there are plenty of cases and examples um, where there is a poor link between the nitrogen leaving the root zone um, in comparison to what ends up in the stream. Also, across the years, um, this, this is work that has come from Owen McAleer, a PhD student that has, been, has done his studies within the catchments program. And the previous slides also were from Owen. I have to acknowledge and thank Owen for, for his assistance with this. But here we're comparing the nitrate levels in his work. He went up to 2014, um, looking at the stocking rate. And in Timali, there was an increasing stocking rate in Castle Dockrell. The organic loading remained pretty constant. So 60% of the land was in derogation, and that is increasing in Himalayan. In Castle Dockrell, it's steady, it's the same. The nitrate levels in the water body up to 2016, by and large, remained unchanged. If anything, they were falling in Timalig. And in Castle Dockrell, there was a significant upward trend in nitrate levels, <clears throat> even though there was no change in the nitrogen loading. And um, per Eric Melander and Owen have looked at this and compared it and the, the, the increasing trend in nitrate levels in Castle Dockwell um, is very much tied in with changes in our weather pattern since that, uh, over that period in time. So to try and look at a single soil type, we have broken our catchments down into smaller subcatchments that would have comparable soil types among them. And um, David Ryan would have explained last week in his presentation that in, a, in addition to our kiosk where we take a sample every 10 minutes, we also call out and take a grab sample once every four weeks or every month along the main tributary, uh, the main channel, which is M, the M1, M2, M3, M4, M5 and M6 are, are the, where we take six grab samples along the main channel. And again, in our tributaries, you can see there are T1, um, and T2 and T2A and T2B. So there, therefore we take a grab sample every four weeks. And we can compare the water quality from each of those subcatchment areas and compare the stocking rate in those subcatchments to see is there a direct relationship between stocking rate and water quality, even where the soil type is quite similar. And looking at the subcatchment approach, there's a graph of the nitrate levels in Timalig from uh, going back to the start of the program. And you can see there is an annual up and down cycle of nitrates. Every autumn in the recharge period, the nitrate levels tend to increase. And in the bottom graph, we're comparing the main channel um, uh, subcatchment M5 with the tributary 1A. And you can see the percent of derogation in tributary 1A, there's a higher stocking rate. 85% of that catchment is in derogation versus uh, just under half in the main channel M5. The nitrate level has increased as we've gone into the higher stocking rate. 
from 4.27 to 5.81. You can see in that catchment there, there was an increase in nitrate level as a result of the increase in stocking rate. In another catchment where we carried out a very similar uh, analysis, we looked in Ballycanew, which is our heavy soil type. You can see the nitrate levels also fluctuate uh, annually, but the base level is much lower. In comparison to the previous slide where the nitrate levels were hovering either side of five milligrams of nitrate per liter, nitrate nitrogen per liter in Ballycanew were either side of maybe two and a half, half the levels of nitrate. And we're comparing the outlet figure of 2.6 on average for the whole catchment with different subcatchment areas. So you can see as we go from subcatchment M1 in comparison with tributary two, um, the percentage of land in derogation actually reduced from half of it being in the derogation to a third, and yet the nitrate level actually increased. So there was an inverse relationship to the stocking rate. And you can see in the upper reaches of the catchment, the nitrate levels were, were also slightly higher than M1, but there was no land in the derogation or very little. So in summary, we can say that nitrate, and this is not nothing new, but nitrate is a complex element and the pathways and the loss of nitrate and how much nitrate ends up in our water body is not a simple thing to, to analyze. And it's not as simple to say that an increase in stocking rate will directly give an increase in nitrate loss. It will in some cases, but there are other factors that influence it and they may, have, may well have a greater influence and override the impact of the stocking rate. Nutrient source is important, but equally soil type, geology, and the weather all have a significant influence on the amount of nitrate that ends up in our water bodies, and they all interact with each other. And if we are to put in place actions to try and minimize nitrate losses, we must be aware of all these factors. And when they are designed and put in place, it is equally very important uh, to keep in mind that farmers need to change their practice. So social and economic factors that influence the uptake of these mitigation actions are very important. And Michelle McCormack from the Catchments Programme uh, has given a talk on that um, in the presentation after this, and, and you can also catch up on it um, on the YouTube channel looking at the signpost webinars. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagisk Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening.